All right. I'm going to read some scripture. Uh, Luke 16, verse 19 through 31. The rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Thanks, Carson. Isn't it great to see uh, so many of our young people just really serving God and excited about the Lord? That is just uh, cherished. I, I hear so many times um, from some of us who are not as young as we used to be, uh, how, imp how impressive it is and how much we long for our young people to really uh, serve the Lord, and it's great to see that. So thanks. Josiah and Michelle doing a great job with our young, with our young people. Um, thank you again for... Um, Helping Lisa and I celebrate our 40th anniversary uh, last Sunday. Thank you very much. Your kindness uh, was just very, very much appreciated. Uh, just as uh, Carson had mentioned, there's uh, missions cards on the, the chair in, that I, I know you have. And what we're doing is on the 8th, which is two weeks from today, the 8th of October, we're actually going to ask you to submit those cards in as the Lord has le is leading you and speaking to you about what you can do to support uh, our missionaries. On the back of that card, if, in case you haven't noticed, is a list of our missionaries that we support uh, on a monthly basis. There are other missionaries that we might support maybe once a year or just a, a, just a kind of a gift once a year. But these are the missionaries we support every month. And so what we want to do is promote Christ around the world. Now, I don't know about you, but it would be very expensive for me to go all around the world. But isn't it cool how God sends people all around the world? But they need support. And so we had this opportunity to be a part of their financial support. And it is just an honor and a privilege to be in a, such a rich country and to be so wealthy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with riding a bike, but did anybody ride a bike to church today? You know what I'm saying? We rode cars, right? And they're pretty nice cars, right? 
Should we feel guilty about that? Absolutely not. Thank God for his blessings, right? God's never against nice things. He's never against money. This is never a problem to God. And uh, the problem is, is that when nice, nice things have us, we're in trouble. But when we have nice things, we're not in trouble, right? Because when we have nice things, we know it's not really ours. It's the Lord's, and we're free to give or receive or keep or give. It doesn't really matter. And so this is an opportunity for us to give to missions around the world. Well, let's get started today in our message. Uh, last week, we talked about mission blessing, but today is mission losing. I know that's a strange title, isn't it? And I believe it'll make a whole lot more sense in just the next few moments. I think we're all geared toward winning. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, go jog dogs, right? I mean, just let's just give a shout out. Okay, let's give a whisper out. That's why I so we all like to win, and when it comes to life, we like to win because there's just, some, there's, there's just an ambition that we have. There's a drive. There's a go get them, and we want to win, and I say, great, nothing wrong with that ambition and that drive as long as we submit all of ourselves to the Lord and allow him to direct us and guide us. Whenever we're playing a game, don't you want to win? You're playing basketball or football or checkers or chess. Now, there's a game that I'm not good at. Well, I don't even want to play chess because I know I can't win. That's got weird rules. You know, every, every, every piece on the board, had, it, it can move different ways. And you've got to memorize which way this one can move and how far. And, and one of them, like, you can go two squares once, and then after that, only one. Like, who made this game up? Strange. And the strangest rule is that when you move a piece, you, if you keep your finger on it, you can change your mind and pull it back. Now, that's just strange. You don't do that in football. You can't run a play and go, oh, that didn't work. We're going we're gonna to try it again. You can't do that. I once heard a guy tell a joke about that with chess and keeping your finger on it. He says, what if you went into your boss and you put your finger on your head and you went, hey, I don't like this job. I don't like this company and I don't like you. I'm quitting. Then you thought about it, and you went, no, I'm not going to do this, and you walk out. You can't do that because your boss is going to be like, you're done. So we love to win. We don't like to lose. But God is so clear in his description of how we can win, and he says an element of winning is actually willfully losing. When we are a willful loser, God says, you are set up to win. Now, it doesn't work in football, and it doesn't work in a lot of other areas, but in the kingdom of God, it works. Jesus made some bold statements in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And he sets this agenda that says if you, if you want to be my disciple, there's an element of denying yourself or losing so that you can win. But it's interesting that right before he said that statement, he said this statement. The Son of Man, speaking of himself, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed. 
and on the third day be raised to life. He set the agenda. He says, the Son of Man, he's speaking of himself. He said, I've got to go and lose so others can win. Then he says, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to follow that suit. You've got to be willing to lose so others can win. 100 years ago in 1923, there were some big shots. There were some guys who were just all about winning and winning and winning. One's name is Charles Schwab. He was the president of the largest steel company. And there toward the end of his life, he just, in a, in a, in a I guess a rampage you could say, spent between $500 and $800 million in today's money. Can you imagine just going on a spending spree and just buying houses and mansions and cars and traveling all over the world? He spent $500 to $800 million. But he did not expect the crash of 1929. And when Charles Schwab died, he died the last five years before he died, he was on borrowed money. And when he died, he died hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. He was a big shot at one time, but it was all about Charles and not about others. Arthur Cutton was the greatest wheat speculator, and he died with absolutely no money. Richard Whitney was the president of the New York Stock Exchange. He served time in the Sing Sing prison in New York. Albert Fall was a member of President Harding's cabinet and was doing illegal things and was convicted and tried and he spent many years in prison and they, he was pardoned so he could come home in order to die. Jesse Livermore was the greatest bear on Wall Street. He committed suicide. Leon Frazier was the president of the Bank of International Settlement, committed suicide. Ivor Krugen, head of the world's greatest monopoly, committed suicide. You see, when it's all about us, and we're all about, I'm going to get more, and I'm going to get more, and I'm going to get more, and I'm just going to spend it on myself, the end of that never works well. It's not a good path. It's not a good plan. But when we have an attitude of willfully submitting ourselves to God and willfully giving and willfully sharing and willfully not retaliating, things go much better because God says, if you're willing to lose, then I'll make sure that you win. Look at the examples of, in the Bible of people who chose to lose. First off, Abraham. Abraham was very wealthy. God had told him, leave where you're at, and I want to go show you a land that I'm going to give to all your descendants. And he took some family members, and then he had a nephew named Lot. And when Abraham and Lot, who were both shepherds, and they had a lot of people working for them, they had thousands of sheep and all these animals, but the land that they were at, they were, their shepherds were having conflict, and there was grazing problems, and it was just this tension between them. So Abraham calls a meeting with Lot, and he says, hey, look, man, we, we don't need to have this problem. We're family. We don't need to have this, this conflict. And he said, you see all of this land? Abraham knew God had given him all of that land. He says, you see all of this land, Lot? He says, you choose where you want to live and I'll take the other side. Whatever you choose, I'll take the other side. He had the right to make the decision, I'm going to live here and you're going to have to live there. But instead, Abraham chose to lose and he let Lot decide. Another one is Moses. He was raised in Pharaoh's house with all of the riches, all of the education, 
But he chose to live with his people, the Israelites. He chose to give up the palace so that he could live with his people in a state of slavery. What about Daniel? Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed. He opened up the windows so that people could see him pray if they wanted to. But then there was a change, and it was suddenly made against the law to pray. And what did Daniel do? When he heard of the decree, he went upstairs to his house, opened up his window, and he knelt down and he prayed. What did they do? Well, they put him in a den filled with hungry lions. What about Paul? Paul was highly educated, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had all these, if you could call genetic uh, dispositions toward Israel. He had all the education. And yet, what did he say? He said, I count all of this loss that I may gain Christ. You see, when we live today, we must think about tomorrow. With Abraham, we know that he gave Lot the permission to make the choice, but it worked out better for Abraham, didn't it? Abraham actually had to go in and literally rescue Lot's life. It worked out better for Abraham because he gave away his choice. We know it worked out better for Daniel, too. Daniel was putting lines in all night long. And the next morning, the king comes and says, Daniel, I hope, I hope I hear your voice. And Daniel says, I'm just fine. They brought him out of the pit of lions. And what did the king decree? He said, listen, everybody, Daniel's God is our God. End of statement. No need for a discussion. You can do that when you're the king. Yeah, so it worked out better for Daniel. Worked out better for Moses. We know what happened with Moses. He chose to live with, as an Israelite, and then he spent 40 years in the wilderness. He comes back, and without raising a spear or a slingshot, delivers all of the Israelites out of captivity by the hand and power of God. God said, you don't need a spear. You don't need a slingshot. You don't need a knife. You don't need any of that. You've got me. You were willing to lose. Now I'm going to make sure that you win. God wants us to live with drive and passion, and I'm going to use the word ambition. But what he wants is that we'll just surrender the wheel to him and let him steer our lives so that we maintain this drive and this go get them. But we're saying, God, you direct me, you direct me. And then when my ambition and my drive begin to be successful and I'm rewarded for that, Lord, it all really is yours. You want me to give, I'll give. You want me to give my time, I'll give my time. If you want me to give my money, I'll give my money. If you want me to give my talent, I'm going to give my talent because it's really all yours. I'm going to choose to give so that others can have. I'm going to choose to lose so others can win. But we know in that whole process, God is orchestrating our lives because we were losers, intentionally losers. He says, I'm going to make you a winner. That's the kind of God we serve. He does it different than this world. Three things I want to bring out. Willful losing requires faith. Willfully losing. I mean, making the decision to lose. Making the decision to give, to go, to do whatever the moment and the environment requires. Willful losing requires faith. 
Because we don't do this just haphazardly, but we do it because we're in obedience to God's word. God said, I'm going to take care of you. And now we're just saying, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to put my faith in you. And I thought about the farmers, right? I thought about the people who are just farming. Whatever crop they're trying to grow starts with a seed. And there's something that has to happen with the seed in order for you to be a farmer and get a harvest. And what has to happen with that seed? You got to give it up into the soil. You got to sow that seed, which means you've got to lose the seed. Because you can't come back a week later and go, I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> we got 50 million seeds we've got to pick up with a pair of tweezers, you know? You can't do that. You've got to give it into the soil and go, it's done, it's over. I've given it. I've lost my seed, but in faith that there's going to be a harvest. And so when we willfully lose, we do so by faith. We recognize that when we choose not to retaliate with anger as anger has been given to us, we choose to bless people. What we're doing is saying, I choose to lose, but I'm doing it in faith that my God sees and hears and he has the final word. He's going to make the final decision. That's for this life. But what about the next life? Here, this rich man, the Bible says, had acquired a lot, but now was suffering. Lazarus had suffered, but now was being comforted. There is the life now, and there's the life to come. As we live our lives now with willfully losing, willfully giving, willfully acting like Christ, even though it doesn't look like we're going to get ahead and we're going to quote-unquote win, we don't do this because we're in charge. We do this by faith, knowing, God, you see. And as your disciple, I'm giving so that I can receive. The second thing is that willful losing brings favor. Willful losing brings the favor of God. Proverbs twenty two sixteen says, One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and one who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Both. Proverbs eleven twenty four, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to to poverty. Interesting. One who scatters increases more, but one who withholds more than what is right comes to poverty. What we do has an effect, and when we willfully lose, it brings favor. Luke, uh, Luke 6, 38 says, give, and it will be given to you. He didn't say, if people take from you, it'll be given to you. He said, give, and it will be given to you. He didn't say, give, and you'll have to go out there and take it. He said, no, you give, and it will be given back to you. You see, when we tithe and we give that 10% of, God to, uh, of, of money to God that's his, we are willfully losing to have God's favor. We are willfully saying, God, I'm trusting you that you're able to do more with the 90% in my pocket than I can do with 100% in my pocket. 
So, Lord, I'm just trusting you. You're going to take care of me. Returning good for evil is willfully losing to have God's favor. When people are ugly to us or mistreat us or lie about us or whatever, but then we don't retaliate, but we bless them, we encourage them, we love them. Jesus said, love your enemies. What are we doing? We are gaining God's favor. Sometimes the favor of God takes some, some time to bring those blessings to us. But nonetheless, can I just say this? Every time you choose to do what God said to do, when you bless people instead of cursing them, when you encourage them instead of putting them down, he sees it. The reward of his favor may not come in the next 30 minutes like we love to in America. We're pretty impatient people, right? It may take a little while. It may take like that harvest of planting a seed and then you've got you to pray for rain and you've got to see it come out of the ground a little bit and get a little taller and a little taller and, and then it buds out and then finally, finally, it's harvest time. But I want to assure you, with Christ, as a follower of Christ, you will have a harvest time. That's a promise from God. I can't make your harvest happen. Thank God you're not depending on me, and I'm not depending on you. We're depending on the God of heaven who said, he does not lie. When he said, I'm going to bless you, he, said, he means it. Matthew chapter 6, he says, do your charitable deeds in secret. He even says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. He says, just do your charitable deeds in secret. The good things that you do for other people, the willful losing so that others can be blessed, just do it in secret. He said, the God who sees it in secret will reward you openly. Just do it in secret. I've seen that, and I, I have kind of a vantage point. I've seen that time and time again at Hope Crossings because I've seen people give another person a check or they'll give me a check and go, hey, just give that to this person. Don't, don't tell them. You know, just give them this money. Don't tell them who it came from. I see it time and time again, and I just love it because we're doing our charitable deeds in secret so that God can see and reward us openly. I think we get beyond this point of trying to say, well, I, 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 want, I want everybody to see my, my blessings and God's favor on my life. Listen, God's, God's going to show people his favor on your life. We don't have to want that or ask for it. We just need to do our charitable deeds in private and in secret. There was a story about a, uh, a woman who was driving down the road. She's a pretty wealthy woman, and she saw on the side of the road uh, what appeared to be a, 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 a man who, without a lot of money. And he had a stack of eggs right there, and he had a little sign that said, Eggs, 50 cents. And so she stopped. She said, sir, how, how much are your eggs? She said, he said, well, ma'am, they're 50 cents a piece. That's what I sell them for. She said, well, I want six eggs, and I'm only going to pay $2.50. Well, we all know that six eggs at 50 cents a piece is how much? There you go. She said, I'm paying $2.50 and not a dime more. He said, well, ma'am, I, I tell you, I, I, that's less than what I sell them for, but 
I, I really haven't had much business today, and so I, I'll go ahead and sell them to you for that price, and maybe that'll help business, and maybe that'll help other people come and buy them. So she paid her two fifty, and she took her eggs and put them in her nice car and drove down the road, and she went to lunch with her girlfriends, and they had a nice big lunch, didn't eat half of it. They gave the waiter a big giant tip because he was nice, rich. Gave a big compliment to the manager of the restaurant. Amazing how human nature is to take advantage of the people that we feel like we can and bless those who are already blessed. It's amazing, isn't it? We can't let that spirit come in us, can we? It's, it permeates everywhere. But we have a different spirit in us. We have a spirit that says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless those who need to be blessed. I'm going to bless those who can really benefit from this. And as God begins to pour out his favor on my life and his goodness in my life, I'm just going to continue to be a conduit of those blessings and continue to give. I'm going to willfully lose, but I'll have the favor of God. The third thing is willful losing results in eternal life. Willful losing results in eternal life. In Matthew 19, 29. Jesus said, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. If you willfully lose or if you willfully keep you will lose. Let me say that again. If you willfully lose, or if you willfully keep, you will lose. If you willfully lose, you're participating in the process. You are saying yes to God. Yes, I'm going to willfully give up so others can be blessed, and then I trust your favor on my life. But if you willfully keep, if you willfully hold on, the Bible says you'll end up losing anyway, but you have no participation in that losing. None at all. So either way, we lose. We either lose now willfully by by just participating with God, or one day it will be taken from us and we'll have no say-so in it at all. This is what Matthew 10, 39 says. Jesus said, He who finds his life, the one who's focused on his life, the one who's all about his own life, the one who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The one who says yes to the Lord now, I'm going to give. I'm going to bless. I'm going to encourage. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm I'm not going to lash back at someone. I'm going to give grace. I'm going to give love. I'm going to give encouragement. And at times, yeah, give money. 
says, oh, when I willfully lose, I gain and I win. But if I hold on to it all, keep it to myself, the Bible says, then I'm going to lose it. So I think I'm in a good house today where we're going to say, you know what? We're going to willfully participate right now in the process of giving it away. To say, Lord, I'm going to give my love, my encouragement, my time, my effort. It's not always convenient. It's not always fun. It's not always, you know, what movies are made of. But what it is, is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, I'm going to be a giver. So this week affords us the opportunity to give. How do I know that? Because it's life. It's life. This week, each one of us will have the opportunity to retaliate with a, with a harsh word. Or we can return it with a soft word. We'll have the opportunity to, to, to try and take advantage of the poor and bless the rich. But instead, let's take advantage of no one and let's bless those in need. Let's be willful about our losing so that God's favor can be on our life and we can be willful losers more and more and more and more. I'm not sure how the JCPenney company is doing these days, but uh, back in the day, it was kind of one of the companies. And Mr. Penny was a believer in Christ, and he became a believer as a, as a young man. And he wanted to develop these stores, and boy, he did it because there was a J.C. Penny everywhere, wasn't there? But what's interesting about Mr. Penny was that he started tithing uh, at a very young age. But he always wanted to give more and give more and give more. And history tells us that by the time he reached what might, someone might call old age, he was actually giving away 90% of his money and he was living on 10% or 90% of his income and he was living on 10%. What did he do? He says, I'm going to willfully lose. I'm not going to be like Charles Schwab and go on a spending free, you know, spree and just blow all my money. He said, no, I'm going to give my money to the work of the kingdom and I'm just going to live on a little bit. Now, I imagine J.C. Penney's little bit was a little bit more than your and I's little bit, right? We're okay with that, right? I get that. But still, to give 90, he could have given the 90% to his grandkids and to his great-grandkids. He could have, he could have, he could have. We can go on and on. What did he do? He said, I'm giving it up for the sake of the kingdom. And look, I tell you, he had a rich reward here in life, and I believe he has a rich reward in heaven. Because he willfully lost so that he could win. Amen?